Welcome to a new Carter Report series, The Game Changers. These rare individuals appear once in a lifetime, like a blazing meteor across the night sky. They change the course of history. They show us the way forward. Welcome to The Game Changers. Welcome back, my friends. So glad to have you here today. We're talking about this amazing man by the name of Paul. This man who changed the course of the history of the world. And I believe was responsible for the rise of America. You say impossible? Well, just stay tuned. He was, the Bible tells me first and foremost, an impassioned evangelist. He was a preacher of the gospel. Some people say to me today, well, you know, we don't do that anymore. I know we don't do it anymore. That doesn't mean we shouldn't do it anymore. But if we follow the Bible, I want to tell you folks something, we'll be doing it all the time. Paul was an apostle, it means a person who, who was sent forth by God to preach the gospel. Now, I want you to take your Bible, come over here to Romans chapter 1, verse 14, and I guess these are his signature verses. Romans chapter 1, verse 14, he says, I'm a debtor, both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. So, as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Now here you've got a number of expressions just pregnant with power. He says, I'm ready. That's in the King James Version. Other versions say, I'm obligated. Because I've heard the good news, I'm obligated to tell other people, you see. If you're saved, you've got to tell the good news. I'm obligated. Then he says, I am eager. <laughs> He's not getting paid to do this. He's not waiting for a check from from the conference. He doesn't get a check from anybody. He says, I am eager because he's got a fire in his belly. If you don't have a fire in your belly, you're going to be boring. It doesn't matter how many doctorates you got. <laughs> he says, I'm obligated, I'm ready, I'm eager, and I'm not ashamed. Living in the days of the Roman Empire, and you're worshipping a, a crucified Jew? Can you believe it? You're living in the days of the sophisticated Romans, in the days of the great philosophers, and you're worshipping a, a Jew who was murdered on the cross. Anybody who got crucified was a bad person. Paul says, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because if you get the gospel by a divine revelation, most folks have never got the divine revelation. Most folks have got too much religion. I don't care what church you're in. Most folks have got too much religion and that is why they have this sanctimonious critical attitude. Who'd want to go along to a place like that, to a church where people are sanctimonious and they're mean? But this man says, I'm not ashamed because this gospel that I preach about a crucified Christ, it's 
the power of God unto salvation. Every person who believes. I can't help myself here. Paul was not an armchair theologian. <laughs> uh, he was not, oh, goodness, I don't know if I can press this, get this out. He was not an administrator sitting behind a desk. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry, folks. You say, don't tell us. I'm just telling you the truth. He was an itinerant evangelist, an apostle, one sent on a mission. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Bible says the most important gift that was given to the church was the gift of going into all the world to preach the gospel. Now you can say, we don't do it anymore, shame on us. Look at the trips that he made. These are the places he went on, three great missionary journeys. When I travel today, usually if I can do it, uh, I go on the Dreamliner because it's very comfortable. Paul walked thousands of miles. He also went by boat. Look at all the places, the second missionary journey, the third missionary journey. We're talking here about thousands of miles. And then finally he went across the Roman Empire to Rome. And why did he do it? I've met people today who tell me that everybody is saved until they reject the gospel. Don't believe that at all. If that is true, the best thing you can do is not to tell them so they can't reject it. Hey, what's wrong going on up here? People are lost without Christ. And because Paul believed in the primacy of Christ, he was driven by a fire that was deep down in his belly. Not a clergyman, as we call them today. And Paul operated outside of the comfort zone. I've had even preachers and friends of mine and other people say, well, look, I just don't want to get out of my comfort zone. Well, I wish God would get you out of your comfort zone. Because when we're in our comfort zone, we're not in God's zone, I want to tell you. He preached out of the comfort zone. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 24 to 28. Read it if you're prepared to look at the facts. 2 Corinthians 11, 24 to 28 from the Jews. Five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often in perils of waters and perils of robbers. In perils of my own countrymen. In perils of the Gentiles. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils among uh, false brethren. That's the worst. In weariness and toil and sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold nakedness, besides the other things which come upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. He talks about being beaten for his faith. Does anybody really understand what we're talking about? You know, I've been to Russia 49 times. I've met with people like Paul the prisoner. 
These are my blood brothers and I appreciate them because they're real people. Tortured by the communists, Paul was thrown into a refrigerator cell. Three years. Take him in and out, warm him up, put him back. His teeth rotted and fell out. You say, we could never, we could never do this. You know why? Because we're too weak. It's because we're superficial people. But great suffering produces great character. There's an old hymn we love to sing, Lord, save us from tribulation. What a heresy. Save your church from tribulation. The church is never strong when it's in a time of peace and prosperity. He was beaten. Take the flesh off the the back. Stonings. On one occasion he was stoned, left for dead. Hey, he's a preacher. He's a man of God. He's not a wimp. He's not a mamby-pamby. You say, well, you know, I can't help being a man. Yes, you can. If you're a mamby-pamby, it's because you've chosen to be a mamby-pamby. And you ought to be ashamed of yourself when you think of Paul. When he went over to Rome, there was a shipwreck. He got out to collect wood for a fire. He was bitten by a snake, a viper. He flung it off into the fire. Attacks by bandits, sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, his care for the churches. He had a pastor's heart. He cared for people. I want to say to my brethren who are in the ministry, if you're in the ministry because of security and because it's a good check every two weeks, you're in the wrong job. And if you're in the church and if you're taking a check just so you can have a comfortable job, you're a disgrace to the name of Christ. But this man was a real man. Seems to me today we're breeding a lot of mamby-pambies, sooks. What was his crime? Well, he was seen as a dangerous man who was a threat to the Jews and the Romans. What was his message? He preached Jesus was God's son, the creator of the universe, that he'd been rejected by the Jewish leaders, that Jesus had been betrayed by the Jews to the pagan Romans who had crucified him. Talk about an inflammatory message. He taught that Jesus had died for the sins of the world, that he'd been raised from the dead. He preached that he'd seen Jesus in glory that Jesus was alive and that he would come again to judge the world in righteousness and deliver his people. He preached the forgiveness of sins, salvation by grace to to be received by faith and not by works of the law, the very opposite of the doctrine of the Pharisees that some of us still believe, I'm afraid. He proclaimed the power of a new life and deliverance from the power of sin. Thousands across the Roman Empire accepted his gospel and joined the church. Satan trembled for his kingdom. He was hated and persecuted by the Jews and the Romans. He was fervently loved by those 
he'd won to Christ. He was no insipid so-called clergyman who was afraid of his own shadow. Look at 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16 to 18. Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day for our light affliction. Who are you kidding? Our light affliction. It only lasts for a moment. It's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal way to glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen, what does it say? They're eternal. Paul believed there was glory ahead. He was driven by a passion to save the lost for Christ. If you're a pastor, I ask you, do you have a passion for the lost or do you have a passion for retirement? Thus he endured the beatings and the stonings, the hunger and the cold and maybe some crabby critical church members. He was one of the bravest humans who had ever lived. He wasn't a crybaby. He was one of the bravest soldiers who had ever lived. Now we talk about his magnum opus that I shall discuss more fully next week. While working in Corinth, Paul wrote the Book of Romans, his magnum opus. It was carried, we believe, by Phoebe from Corinth to Rome. She under her robe carried the future of the church and the future of the world. Romans was the book that inspired Martin Luther who gave to the world the Protestant Reformation that brought about the rise of America. No, yes. And the birth of freedom. Most of us have forgotten what the world was like before Luther there was a corrupt, all-powerful church. No freedom of speech or religion, great poverty of the masses. Then Luther discovered the book of Romans. Have you discovered it? Tyndale, the great British reformer, called it good, glad and merry tidings that makes a man's heart to sing for joy and his feet to dance. Why are there so many sour religionists? I'll tell you why. They've never had a divine encounter. They're in the church to be seen. They want to be seen, but they don't want to be clean. They want to be an elder or somebody else in the church. Good morning, sister. Good morning, brother. I think the Bible calls that the abomination of desolation. But when a person discovers the book of Romans or when the book of Romans discovers a person and that person has a divine revelation, his life is changed. Now, let me tell you about this divine revelation. I talked about it in the first part of this program. Some of you may think you've had it. You think because you were born in the church, you're baptized in the church, that you're somehow saved. 
What happens is, like Paul and others, they have a divine revelation. They see themselves as a stinking, filthy sinner. Have you? Not me. Well, you haven't had the revelation, have you? In their heart of hearts, they're racist. They're proud, very confident of themselves, very, very religious. And on their way to hell, like Paul. So you've got to have the divine revelation. Don't go to bed tonight until you get it. Look at your sins. Ask God to show you your sins. That's a good start. The book of Romans shows the sinner how the sinner gets right with God and stays right with God. It is the revelation of God's revolution that destroys the power of sin. Romans 1 verses 1 to 4. Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through the prophets and the Holy Scriptures. Concerning, we don't read these words, we don't believe it. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. People say it's all about me. No, it's not about you at all. It's about Christ. It was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the resurrection, to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. The gospel is not about us. People say, no, it is. It's all about, no, it's not. There's no good news about you or me. You say, I don't believe this. Well, that's because you're walking in darkness. You've never had the revelation. You're super religious, but you've never had the revelation. The gospel is about what God has done. The gospel, it says, it's about what Christ has done. That God has invaded time and space in the person of his son, lived among us, the only sinless person who's ever lived. Some people say, oh, no, but I'm sinless. You're deluded. There are no sinless people. That's a delusion. It's about Christ who died for us on the cross. And when we come to him, life is never the, chain, never the same again. Listen, wherever Romans went, it brought new life, health and healing. It destroyed corruption. It's not easy to read. That's why lazy people don't read it. It unmasked a paganized church. It brought hope, life and liberty. It was carried to America by the Pilgrim Fathers. Without Paul, there would have been no Romans. Without Romans, there would have been no Reformation. Without the Reformation, there would have been no Puritans. Have you ever heard of the Puritans? Yeah. Ever heard of them? Yeah. People say, oh, no, we don't. that's not us. Get informed. Without the Reformation, no Puritans, and no Puritans, no America, but another Venezuela. How would you like that? The other religion got there. You say, it doesn't matter what you believe. Please, please, let's not be ignorant. No democracies in the world, no women's rights. Women are the freest where the gospel is preached. It is. No freedom of speech, no freedom of religion, no separation of church and state, no life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Thank you, Paul. 
Now I'm going to start two meetings. A synopsis of Romans that very, very few people in the church know anything about. And that's why we have the problems we do. Now we come to Paul, Nero, the burning of Rome and decapitation. Paul was arrested in Jerusalem. It came about this way. Because Paul was being criticized by the Jews, the leaders of the church, good people, thought it would help the situation if Paul engaged in a Jewish religious ceremony. So he did what they said. It led to his imprisonment and death. While Paul was in the temple carrying out the rite of Jewish purification, he was attacked by a Jewish mob. And remember, Paul was a Jew. Jesus was a Jew. The Bible writers were Jews. Never be anti-Jewish. Look at Acts 21, 27. Now when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd, laid hands on him. And so Paul is pulled this way and that way and they're going to murder him. The Roman soldiers saved Paul and he was delivered from the mob who would have torn him to pieces. That's what sh that shows you what bigotry, religious bigotry does. He was thrown into prison and the Romans stretched him out to flog him. Stretch him out. Going to soften him up, Paul says. Is it lawful to flog a Roman citizen? They released him. He went through several bogus trials. Attempts were made on his life by the Jews. Eventually, Paul, as a Roman citizen, said, I appeal to Caesar. He was sent by boat to Rome. Along the way, his ship was shipwrecked on the coast of Malta. There he was bitten by the snake. When he finally arrived in Rome, he was placed in prison. Eventually, he stood trial before Nero. Nero was one of the most evil men in the history of the world. Born 37, died 68. It would have been good if he'd never been born. Emperor from 54 to 68, best known for his debaucheries, his political murders, his passion for music and the persecution of Christians. He murdered his own mother in 59 AD. Paul stands trial. 2 Timothy 4, verse 3, uh, verse 6, 13, 16 and 17. 2 Timothy 4, he says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. Then he says, he's cold. Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus of Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. He said, give me my Bible. At my first defence, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. Where were they? May it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. When he stood before Nero, he preached such a mighty sermon that that evil man was overcome by the passion of Paul and he released him. And sometime later, Nero, the monster, who's going to burn for a long time, 
Oh, no, he's not. Wait and see. Nero to make room for some new buildings burnt Rome. The people were enraged, so he blamed Paul and the Christians. They did it. Paul was rearrested and found guilty. He was beheaded alone, alone. But it's not over. 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, he writes from the prison in Rome. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, uh, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. He says, by the grace of God, I've been faithful. I haven't apostatized. I haven't run away from any battles. He said, I've fought the good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Then they take him out. And because he's a Roman citizen, he is not crucified or anything like that. He is beheaded. But one thing is, Absolutely certain, my friend. This mighty Jewish man of God who gave us the true gospel and the book of Romans, he will be with Christ in glory. He will have the crown of life. And I think, and I think I'm right, a very special place in the kingdom of God. I present to you today the prince of the apostles, the great apostle Paul, for the glory of God. Amen and amen. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. John Carter reports, we have seen God's power as the gospel of Christ has been proclaimed in Africa, India, Russia, Ukraine, Cuba, El Salvador, and many other places. We invite you to partner with us in proclaiming Jesus Christ. To God be the glory. Great things He has done. Write today to The Carter Report. P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. That's The Carter Report, P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. In Australia, write to The Carter Report, P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. That's The Carter Report. 
P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. Thank you for your generous support. We look forward to hearing from you soon. May God richly bless you. copy of today's program, please contact us at P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Or in Australia, contact us at P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. This program is made possible through the generous support of viewers like you. We thank you for your continued support. May God richly bless you.